This is Real Estate Rookie Show 17. You have to make sure, not only do you have similar goals and aspirations, but you also have to make sure that you guys are balancing each other out. There's things that my mentor specializes in and that he knows and he has experience of that I don't. And so I can leverage those things and learn from him in the process of me growing as a real estate investor. I am Ashley Kerr, and I am also the age 17, the same as this show. <laughs> and my Ashley, co-host, the- Felipe Mejia, is what, 30? Just turned 30, I, right? <laughs> I am. I just turned 30. <laughs> but yes, this is episode 17. This is not Ashley's age. And let's my not try to guess. My 17th birthday. <laughs> oh, my god! You can gosh. tell I still have like excitement from today's show because it was so great. I'm still like hyped up about it. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's interesting the way Derek talks because he speaks like an investor that's been in the game for 20 years and he's only been in the game two. Yeah. And just, I mean, everything that he said, just it makes sense. And he had a lot of just great tips, you know, his mindset, he's disciplined, he's focused. And I think everyone's going to learn a lot about his relationship with his mentor and how he, he talks about how he leverages relationships and, you know, not just for his benefit, but for a mutual benefit. Absolutely. He, he talks about flying out to meet with his mentor when he has a specific question. If that doesn't tell you the character of this kid, I don't know what will. So let's bring him out. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. What does financial freedom mean to you? More time with your family and friends? The ability to take that globe-trotting trip? Or do you, do you just want to sleep in until 10 a.m. every day with no boss to answer to? Real estate is your gateway to financial freedom, but rent-ready property management software is what keeps your free time actually free. From seamless online rent collection to custom applications, property marketing tools, and repair request tracking, RentReady allows your portfolio to run on autopilot. The best part is you can manage all your rentals right from your cell phone. And that's why RentReady is my favorite property management app around. I use it for all my rentals. Whether you've got one or a dozen doors, RentReady helps you streamline how you manage your rental properties to create a life you love in 2024. Now, Rent Ready is already included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com. And use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor to get six months of Rent Ready for $1.
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Derek, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Why don't you uh, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got into real estate investing? So I am from Virginia. I grew up in a small town in Virginia called Martinsville, really small area. But um, that is home for sure. That's where all of my family is. And so that's the place I call home. And so I grew up there. I grew up in pretty much like a little bit of a rough neighborhood. Um, The area I grew up in, we didn't have much growing up. My mom was a single mother. She worked two, three jobs if she had to to make sure she made ends meet. And so through that, I've seen a lot and experienced a lot. And so I had to grow up fast, um, getting a job at an early age learning to make sure that I was able to basically assume responsibility for myself at an early age in order to help my mom. So through that, um, I started making mature decisions, started thinking about what I wanted to do with myself when I got older, how I could make more money, how I could help my mom out and my brother as well. And so it's kind of led to me going to the Virginia Military Institute, which is one of the toughest schools in the nations. It is one of those schools where it has on a code um, and a system there where it's very easy. Uh, if you do the wrong thing, you could get kicked out potentially. And so we have what we call the rat line and hell week. And so very rigorous school. It's pretty much like army basic training while in school. And so I went there to play college football, um, get an education, educational degree in biology. Um, and I minored in exercise science as well. And I ended up commissioned into the army reserves as well. So I'm a medical service officer. And I've been doing that now going on five years. So I absolutely love what I do there. And so I would say about two years ago, um, in my unit, there was this guy, I actually call him my rich dad. His name is Dexter (laughs) Craig. And so he introduced me to Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, He told me about the book, told me it's something I should read. He felt that I had the potential to be able to understand it and then take and run with it. And so when he first introduced that to me, I started asking questions about real estate. And that's when I found out he actually owned real estate. He had been doing it for 30 plus years. Very knowledgeable guy. He thinks about things very differently. And so um, as he would explain things to me, I would ask questions. And then um, I would go back to him with additional questions. And he started to realize like, this guy's really researching this. He's really interested in it. He's actually trying to learn things. And I think from there, that's when our bonds started. And so he really started to get me to look at things a lot differently as far as what real estate can do for me and my family. And um, one thing he always told me is at the end of the day, having a nice W-2 job will help you take care of the bills. But how are you going to actually build generational wealth for yourself and for your family if the only thing you can do is afford to take care of bills? And so that's where real estate comes in. And so um, that's something I've wholeheartedly believed in. Um, I got really serious about it in uh, April of 2019. 
And um, right now I currently own three properties. Wow. That's that's an amazing story, Derek. That's that's really cool. Well, first and foremost, thank you for your service. Um, you know, we thank you for the sacrifice that you're doing so that all of us are safe back home. So thank you for everything that you do. I want to ask you a little bit about your real estate. So you said you have three rentals. Is that correct right now? Correct. So tell us about how you got involved in real estate. So you read the book, you had a great mentor. What does it look like with that first property? My actual first property was a personal residence that I bought. And so um, my favorite dog growing up was a Rottweiler. So I have a Rottweiler. His name is Samson. He's a big boy. He's about 125 pounds and he's not even two years old yet. Oh so, wow. yes, he weighs he more than me. <laughs> That's a so small bear, Derek. That's not a dog. You have a small bear at yeah. home. Yeah. So, um, so originally I wanted a Rottweiler. And of course, every apartment complex is like, no, they're, you know, on the dangerous dog <laughs> breed yeah. list. So I actually was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to buy a house then. And so I bought a personal residence. Wait, wait, hold on one second. One second, Derek. Let me, you're, I'm not going to let you fly by this. Wait a minute. You bought a personal residence for your dog. Basically, yes. <laughs> I, wanted, I love that. <laughs> I wanted That's got to be a first. Dog. <laughs> and so I ended up, I bought my first house. And at this time, Dexter Craig, he was definitely like still there kind of talking me through the experience of buying my first house. But that was just a personal residence for me. But when I decided to get serious about real estate and start actually seeking out a first rental property, um, what ended up happening is at this time, him and I had been, you know, in conversation for about a year now. We had one long discussion as far as evaluating properties and what I wanted to ultimately do with those properties that we were looking at. And he legit looked at me and said, hey, he said, I'm going to send you $30,000. He said, you have two months to go and find a property and actually make it happen. Um, and so I went That's back. That's kind of exciting. It is. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So, um. I went back, I started looking at properties and this time it was serious because I knew, you know, I had to hurry up and make a deal happen. And so um, after multiple times of us getting together, actually walking through the properties, what they would be worth and money that I would need to invest in them, all those different things. I ultimately decided on a small duplex that was in Martinsville, Virginia, in my hometown, actually. And at that time I was living in Stanton, Virginia, which is about two and a half hours north. And so I actually stumbled into that duplex. So I was driving around and I seen this apartment building that is about five units and it looked run down. And so I'm like, man, I want to take a look at that and see exactly what that's about. And I missed the turn. And so I go to the next street and I make a couple of turns to get back that way. And then I see this nice little duplex that has for sale by owner on it. So I took the lady's number down, gave them a call and she's like, hey, yeah, I want to sell it, but I want to sell it for 49000 and so I took some pictures and stuff like that and got some information from her. And um, I quickly realized like I was not about to pay $49,000 for that property. <laughs> it just didn't make sense. So I legit would call Dexter and I'm like, hey, you know, she wants 49000 It's not worth that. Here's what I'm thinking about doing. He's like, nope, tell her 30000 cash because cash is more important to people than you saying, hey, I'll buy for 49000 and go through the bank. And so um, I called him back. I told him I had 30,000 cash and I could set a deposit. We could do the promissory note, get everything set up and I could close within a month. And they immediately said yes. Wow, <laughs> so, wow yeah. Derek, that's, that's a crazy story for, for a wrong turn, but that's amazing. And I want to <laughs> dig into that. But before we do that, I know that some of our listeners might be asking themselves, well, Derek's really lucky he had a mentor walk him through all of this. Give us a little background on how you, you know, uh, not just met the mentor, but how you guys got a little bit more connected than someone just saying, you know, here, let's go find a property together. I mean, how did that relationship build into this? 
Mm -hmm. So I always tell people like everything is about the process. So, and if you are focused on preparing yourself, when opportunity knocks, you're always going to be ready for it. And so one of the bigger things for myself was continually being prepared. So as he explained real estate to me for the first time, and he literally just overheard me talking to someone about wanting to make more money and trying to figure out how I could, you know, become a six figure earner at that time. And I'm 24 years old. And I'm like, I want to become a six figure earner. And he's like, hey, real estate is a good way to do that. But, you know, it takes a little bit of work. But he's seen the research that I was doing, the consistently asking questions, coming to him with knowledge that he knew I didn't have previous to us ever talking about it. And I think through that, we started to form a bond where he realized, hey, here's this young guy. I'm on the back end of my real estate investing career. I can pour this knowledge into him because he's actually serious about it. He has the energy, he has the drive, and he's doing the right things. And so through that bond, we kind of developed an even closer relationship where even to this day, he's like a father figure to me at this point. Um, And most of my life, I grew up without my dad being present. So having a male figure that, you know, is positive, is giving me words of encouragement as a man as well and growing as a man, but also challenging me in the aspect of like, hey, you could be the person that could change your family's generational wealth, educate your family and help other people if you do these things. And so as he's seen me continually put in the work, consistently show that dedication to that and understand the process, he's become closer to me and wanted to invest more and more into me. And so one of the greatest things he ever told me was I was talking to him and I thanked him and was very appreciative of what he had done for me. And he said, you don't realize how big of an investment this was for me. He said, this was also the cheapest investment I ever made. He said, I gave you $30,000 to first invest in your uh, property. He said, but in return, I have this friendship and I have your, your energy. I have your determination on what we can build together now. So for him, he looked at it as, hey, here's a potential investment for myself as, long, as long, uh, well as a longtime like, friend. And so um, it's been really good, but it also took myself studying, doing my own personal research to, in order for him to actually buy into that. And I think a lot of times real estate investors, they love to talk about real estate with other people. Mm -hmm. And some real estate investors just don't have anyone to do that with. And those might be the type of people to kind of seek out because yeah, helping someone, you know, mentor someone trying to find their first deal is fun. It's great. But once that other person becomes an investor, like I'm sure your bond has grown, you know, twice as Mm -hmm. much since you've bought that first property, because now you both have that real estate bug and are excited about it and have that much more of a, a connection now that you've got that, that first deal under your belt. So have you guys partnered on the rest of your deals together then? So no, so all of my houses and properties I have right now are my own. However, Mm -hmm. uh, we did recently start up our own company and what we are focused on right now is tax liens. So of course with coronavirus and just some of the ways that the economy has changed, unfortunately that does mean more people are gonna have issues paying taxes and things like that. And as a real estate investor, you have to be very strategic and you have to be flexible with the times. And so right now we don't believe it's best for us to be focusing on buying properties and fixing them up at this point. current moment, we're focused on the tax liens. And so we know that those type of things are going to become um, available to us. We can get them at a discounted price. And at the end of the day, you'll either make your 18% in the Maryland DC area where we're investing, we can make our 18% back or potentially end up with a property that's worth $300,000, $400,000. And we've only put down 10, 20,000 for it. So 
I want to dig into how you're finding what properties have a tax lien, but I want to mention also is that you can really tell how appreciative you are of your mentor. And I think that makes a big difference too, that, you know, you've continued your relationship and I just, I love the, you know, you're listening to you talk about him and you can tell that you're really appreciative. So I I think that adds a lot of value as to why he has stayed with you mentoring Mm -hmm. you, but Let's talk about the tax lien. So how do you even find what properties have a tax lien on them? So one thing that I've been really good at so far, and especially with my mentors, leveraging relationships. And so I would say he is an expert at that. So he knows a buddy of his that um, he's known for years. And um, this guy actually specializes in tax liens. And so he has a couple properties as well. But for himself, he's been studying tax liens, actually looking into that. He's actually registered. He understands the process. And so when we started thinking about that's the route we wanted to go, we decided, hey, let's bring him in. Let's talk to him, see what he has going on. And then we could all put our money together and then start this thing up and get rolling. And so we brought in somebody that knew exactly what they were doing. We all put in our money. And now we have us a nice little group of people that uh, the money is available. It's ready to go. We got somebody to specialize in it. They've been doing there for a little while. They understand the process. And it just makes things a lot easier, especially for myself when I'm new and I'm still learning as I go. Derek, I want to add, you seem way wiser than your age. How old are you? 27. Yeah, I could tell. I mean, you still have like the baby (laughs) face, right? I mean, I bet you get that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But man, I mean, the way you speak, it sounds like you've been in real estate for 30 years. I mean, you're you're networking. You know the importance of having other people in your circle. You're willing to leverage. It sounds like you know that if other people are better than you at something, you're willing to bring them in. What happened? I mean, where where is this maturity coming from? It's great. It's amazing. And it's thing, something that I think a lot of young entrepreneurs, especially in real estate, you know, need to acquire. What's your secret? Um, I think I have to give a lot of credit, one, to my mom. Um, as I mentioned, as a teenager, I've seen a lot and experienced a lot. And, you know, I had to grow up fast. And what I will say is that wasn't forced on me. It was me understanding the situation we were in, conversations that I had with my mom. And I think that helped me mature a lot faster at that point in time. And then um, my environment that I grew up in taught me what dedication and hard work is about, right? And so then I decided to completely change my environment and go to a school like BMI um, in Virginia, which is very different than the environment that I grew up in. And so I had to learn to navigate that. I had to learn to leverage relationships. I had to learn how to talk to people that were very different than me, very different background. And then I think through that, I started to polish those things. And so um, since I've been, you know, out of college and since I've been on my own professional career, I've been an operations manager at a huge retailers, uh, distribution center. I've done HR as well as a HR business partner. And so I think those experiences have helped me understand how to one leverage people, how to navigate tough conversations and situations, as well as my own experiences in life have also taught me that, Hey, if you learn things, you apply them and you be prepared that when opportunity comes, you're always ready to accept that. Man, that's that's blowing my mind because you're I mean, you're definitely a multimillionaire in the making. I mean, kudos to what you're doing, man. Honestly, I, you're going to 100% end up agree. Yeah, yeah you. you're I'm going to try to stay in your circle, bro, cuz I'm trying to get some of that, dude. <laughs> let's do that's it. Aw- yeah, let's let's go, Derek. That's awesome. Let me ask you about how you structure your deals and your partnerships because that's going to be a question that the rookies are going to be asking. How do I as a rookie get a great partnership and, and and what if I don't have the money but I I just have the drive like Derek does? So can you give us an explanation a little bit of how you structure the partnerships and uh you know how you're leveraging other people? 
And so uh, my partnership with my mentor has been 100% 50-50. And so in our deal, what we did is with my first property is he invested the 30,000. Um, I invested the money for the rehab. And so he knew I didn't have the money to purchase it and rehab it. So he came in with that. I put in all the lead work, uh, legwork for that property. And then right now we're in the middle of refinancing it. And once we refinance it, pull that cash out and that equity that we now have, you know, I'll pay him back his money. I'll make a little bit of money back. I'll still have a little bit left in the deal as I've learned some lessons during that deal for sure. But that was kind of our biggest thing there. As far as our partnership now and what we've been forming together, we have a great small group of guys that we all know each other. We trust each other. Um, and so we've done, set it up with a promissory note. You know, you always want to protect your money. That's a key thing. But I think the most essential part of it is when you're looking for a partner or when you're looking to go into business with somebody, you have to make sure not only do you have similar goals and aspirations, but you also have to make sure that you guys are balancing each other out. So there's things that my mentor specializes in and that he knows and he has experience of that I don't. And so I can leverage those things and learn from him in the process of me growing as a real estate investor. Um, there's things that our other guy, John, who we brought in for the tax liens that he knows and he understands, obviously. And so we're both leveraging him and it's things that he needs from us and he leverages us for that. And so we've done a really, really good job of partnering with each other, leveraging with each other, leveraging each other for what we absolutely need in order to help push this business forward. And so I take those experiences with that group and I apply it to my own personal real estate investing as I'm continuing to push and grow that as well. Do you guys do alignment meetings at all? Or do you guys talk about the future, you know, even a year from now, five years from now, what you guys want? Like, what is your end goal? Or do you guys have an exit strategy? Like when we build a portfolio of, you know, a million dollars of real estate, we're going to sell it off or we're just going to stop. Do you have any kind of long-term plan in place for your partnership? Yes. So the first step of what we're doing, because the economy has changed so drastically when we first started talking about this, our partnership, we're going to invest in tax liens. And so what tax liens is going to give us that ability to do is buy houses for pennies on the dollar. And so we'll take that cash and that money that we'll make off of those. And we're basically going to just wholesale them. Uh, mm -hmm. We don't care to hold the properties uh, because our long-term strategy is land development. And so plan on building small communities, 100 doors. Uh, we're already working with the architect and a master builder that already has a plan in place where they're building condominiums and townhomes that we can build for about $125,000 total. We have the footprint. We have everything that we need from there. And we understand that in that market, we can sell them for about $350,000 per door. And so we're looking at being able to double our money per door that we build. And so the tax lien is the beginning, you know, that in our exit strategy eventually is to build these communities and then sell those homes individually. And then we'll take that money and take that plan and we're just going to replicate it. That's awesome. Sounds like a great plan. <laughs> it is. That, that's, a, that's an amazing plan. I mean, you have a plan for the money that you're going to make to reinvest to make you more money. And you know what? My mentor told me the same thing, Felipe. When your money makes you more money, that's when you've reached you know, a, a level of wealth that many aspire to get to. A lot of people want financial independence through real estate as some cash flow, and that is a great goal to have. But when your cash flow creates you more cash flow, yep. infinite return. And it sounds like that's what you're doing, Derek. Is that about what, I, what I'm listening? Man, that is absolutely perfect. Like That is the exact goal that we're chasing after right now because, like you said, if you really want to have that financial independence, if you really want to create generational wealth, like wealth that you can actually pass on, you have to be able to create additional money and additional cash flow from your money that you have that's free. So you can't let your money not work harder than what you're working. And so I believe wholeheartedly oh, I like and that. whatever free money that you have, mm -hmm. if it's not working, 
then it, you need to be figuring out a way to make that money work for you. So all free cash flowing money um, gets reinvested and it starts working for us in order to make sure that we can continue to build upon that. So let's go back to the deal you were talking about. I kind of want to break that down. So it was listed for 49000 You bought it for thirty, And then what happened next? What were the rehab costs? How did you finance the rehab costs? Okay. So um, what I ended up doing is my mentor told me about personal lines of credit. And so I had a small amount of cash already set aside, but he said, Hey, I believe you can actually get this done using personal lines of credit and you can keep your cash sitting aside for in case anything else happens. Um, and so I actually ended up getting a personal line of credit worth $20,000. I then walked through the building with my contractor. We talked through the rehab cost and what all I needed. I made notes and thought I was doing absolutely everything perfect. I'm like, hey, so what do you think it's going to cost? And he's like, oh, around seven, 8000 Me being a new uh, real estate investor, I'm like, okay, cool. That's perfect. Yeah. Um, and didn't say anything else. Didn't write down anything. We just made that deal and started, right? How did you find this contractor? So just people that yeah, I knew. And so, yeah. And so since, you know, mm -hmm. I'm in my own hometown, um, I know a lot of people. I'm very well connected. And so I started leveraging just my relationships again, honestly, and got this referral of a contractor that had done some work. I seen a couple of properties he had worked on. I'm like, you know what? I think this guy can make it work and we can be cost effective on top of that as well. And so we started that partnership from there of literally just calling him. We talked about it. He walked with me to see the property. He called out things that I didn't notice. I called out some things and we wrote it all down. And then we had a couple phone calls because um, I actually didn't live in Martinsville. So I had to make sure that, you know, I was staying on top of things with him as well. And um, we got started on construction. Cool, cool. So with that personal line of credit, was that unsecured then? So you didn't have to put any collateral that was just a mm -hmm. note to so you that the bank gave? Unsecured. And so yeah. something I learned a while back that I'm so thankful that I learned was credit is everything. And so when you make great financial decisions, when you make sure your bills are paid on time um, and you have a good credit score, it will unlock doors for you where you don't have to put money down or, you know, actually leverage assets or what the bank would consider an asset because that's very different from an actual <laughs> asset. But um, I think it's very critical that if you have good credit, you have the ability to do things like that. And so being able to get those personal lines of credit kept Derek's cash in Derek's bank yeah. account. <laughs> um, and I was able to leverage the bank's money to be able to fund my rehab portion of it. And at the end of the day, I am able to pay the personal line of credit off with the refinance and everything. And I only have a little bit of money that I've actually put toward the house. Um, so the personal line of credit was critical. So Derek, you're, you're talking about your, you, you mentioned a little bit about your rehab there, what you use the line of credit and things like that for. Were you the one managing the contractors? Were you the one managing the rehab? Did you pass that on? Did you get a manager for that? How did that look like? That was, I think that's where I learned all my lessons. So for me, everything that I've done so far in real estate, I have 100% owned and managed when it comes to my properties. And I feel like that's critical because I know where I want to be five years from now, 10 years from now. And I want to make sure that I understand the process. Um, and so it kind of goes back to making sure that you understand the process. So I walked the property with my, um, with my contractor. I made sure that, you know, I was on calls with them. I would come, I would drive down to Martinsville, Virginia and actually look at the property, walk through, thing, uh, walk through things with them. I would talk to the tenants as well. 
I did all those things. I managed, you know, sending the funds over. I was double checking with Lowe's, making sure that the things were being bought were supposed to be being bought, like all those things in order to ensure that I'm understanding what is happening uh, when those, when you're doing construction and actually learning how to manage contractors, which is super critical because I did a lot of things wrong for sure. And I learned a lot of lessons out of that. And I think those are things that when I move forward, I lose less money one, but two, I'll be able to run it more effectively, which is the key part of that. And that's how you continue to build more success on it. What are some of the things that you learned about managing contractors that you would tell another rookie who's about to start, you know, you just a couple of years ago, it's like, you know, Hey Derek, I'm about to do this rehab, man, but I have to manage the contractors. What are some key things that you would indicate to them that they have to do to be successful in managing some contractors? So I think one talking through labor costs is critical and payment schedules. I would say the biggest headache I had during that time frame was me being at work and getting a call and multiple text messages. And they're like, hey, you know, we need a little bit of money. We got to go do this and got to go do that. I think the second part of it was not effectively calculating things that could go wrong. And so, you know, a seven to eight thousand dollar rehab, which was a horrible estimate that we did not write down on paper and actually verify, um, ended up being close to seventeen thousand dollars. And so. Exactly. That's a huge difference, right? Yeah. And that changed the landscape of the entire investment. And it ends up being a great investment. It absolutely is. But it continue, it changed everything. That 10 grand made a big difference. So I think one is making sure that whatever you're going to be fixing, that you write that stuff down, you verify costs, you talk to the contractor around what does labor cost looks like and what is that payment schedule going to look like? I think the second part of that is at the end of the day, sign something. That way you're holding them accountable. That way you're holding yourself accountable to the things that you have agreed upon, which is critical. Um, I think that keeps the relationship uh, a lot easier and it makes things a lot smoother when it comes down to what is happening, especially when things go wrong. And then I would say the other critical part is always plan for something going wrong. Uh, You pull (laughs) back a floorboard, (laughs) it's all rotten. It's going to be something. So I think, you know, creating a little bit of cushion in there, probably estimating at least five to 10% of additional funds going to something that's just going to pop up that you're not prepared for. I think this is a great example of when people say I'm doing a no money down deal. That doesn't mean that you don't have reserves set aside or you don't have, you know, a line of credit available because think about the greater impact that 10k difference would have had if you didn't have that $20,000 line of credit and you only had seven you had exactly $7,000 and then all of a sudden you had to come up with 10,000. I mean, that would have made a much larger difference. Um, would have not been a lot harder to come up with those 10K, that 10K and probably made your project go longer trying to scramble to get that money. Yes, it definitely would have had an impact on it because the money I had set aside um, at that point in time, still learning what investing is about and how you actually set money aside for it. That was mixed with like my personal savings and everything. And so that 10 K would have been critical to me because that would have pretty much cleared out my personal savings and left me little to no money in which at the end of the day, I would have been 110% fine with because I knew what I was building towards. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But having a personal line of credit, like you said, was a huge lifesaver because I didn't have to worry about that. I just knew that the the terms of my deal, you know, just changed a lot. Right. And I had to understand that piece of it. And then that's when I started recalculating things and going, Hey, here's exactly what that's going to look like. Now, when you do your cash out refi, here's what you need to be prepared for. And immediately I started making payments on that personal line of credit, knowing that I was going to have a little bit of money left in that thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then now as we're getting ready to finish up and close on this deal, 
I'll get my money back. I'll be able to pay back my mentor and I'll pay off the rest of that personal line of credit very easily and have a little bit of money left over. And so it all worked itself out in the end. That's a great feeling having a successful deal, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I I loved how you talked about too. You you know, one thing you learned was you got to write it down. Like mm-hmm. with the contractor, you got to have a plan in place. And I have a friend, he actually just sent it to me so I can kind of create my own as he does a scope of work for each of his contractors, which I mean, it is so detailed. It goes down to like every little, almost every single nail that has to go into the piece of trip. But he also does a video. So he starts in the front of the house and he goes through the whole house doing a video and he works off of his the scope of work and says, okay, this wall is this paint color. These cabinets are staying, but the knobs are changing. So that way, anytime a contractor has a question, he just says, oh, we'll refer to the video. And then if there's any, you know, something was done that wasn't supposed to be, he can say, well, look at, I told you in that video exactly what to do. And I pointed specifically to that. So mm. I think that's a, a great thing. If anyone else wants to use that tool, I mean, that's pretty easy to do is to create a video and just send it to your contractor. Yeah, I actually love that. Yeah, I know. I (laughs) I love that. (laughs) But can you reverse engineer this for us? What are some key steps you think that other rookies could take so that they could do a a very similar deal to yours besides just taking a wrong turn? I think the critical piece of it was the research I'd done beforehand. And I know Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I hear on all the bigger pocket podcasts is you don't want to get analysis paralysis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is so critical. And I would say that had it not been for my mentor continuing to push me in the way that he did, I probably would have got stuck in that rut for a little while as well. But I think doing the research in your market area so you can figure out, okay, is this the actual area that I want to invest in? And then getting out there. I was constantly on Zillow, Redfin, anything that I could to basically figure out what properties were on the market. I was talking to realtors in that market as well. I had my own family members actually going out when they seen properties, they would text me and say, Hey, I seen this. And I would just research it in the county website. That way I could understand exactly what the county is saying it's worth, what the taxes look like, who owned it, that information as well. And so I was doing this daily and I'm talking three, four, five hours a day doing these things. And so that piece right there got me prepared to be able to invest in the market. I think the second part of it was once I realized it was time to actually buy a property, it's just making sure that it happens. So consistently talking to the owner who had it, going and visiting her, things getting pushed off here and there, but consistently following up and just staying steady and staying consistent led to me eventually getting her down to 30000 and then being able to close on the property. And so when you start being consistent, whether it is researching and learning, whether it is consistently networking with people or partnering with other people, that's when you're going to start to see things happen and it's going to start occurring quickly then. So then you just got to be prepared, right? But I would say those were the two critical pieces of this deal. And then I would say the last piece of it was writing down what your ultimate goal is. And so I believe firmly in affirmations and writing down what your goal is and then figuring out how do I achieve that goal? So what are the steps I need to take right now to make that happen? And so that's exactly what I done. I had a huge whiteboard. I got two in my office. I wrote down clothes on the property. And then I started looking at what do I need to do now? And I created this long line of items that I needed to absolutely do. And every day I made sure that I knocked off one or two things from that list. And so super minute, you want to be as detailed as possible, even as small as making sure you get on the website to look at the county assessment, making sure the property taxes are up to date, all those little things that you really want to make sure that you dotted your uh, eyes on and cross your T's with 
to make sure the property is ready for you to buy. Um, because as you guys know, real estate is a lot of little things that can <laughs> slow down or stop a deal. So the more you actually do the research, the more you actually plan for those things, the smoother the transaction will go. Derek, I love that you, you're speaking all this wisdom and knowledge because as rookies, sometimes we get caught up in just the numbers, right? Mm. How much does it cost? What's the return on investment or what's the cash on cash? Okay, that makes sense. Let's do it. But you tend to forget like all these other very important, critical key things that affect the deal either positively or negatively. And that's going to depend on how much research you did. So I love how prepared you are, you know, and, and, and it speaks volumes. And remind me here, you've been in real estate. Not 20, two years, right? Yes. You've two years when I bought my first years. property. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's that's amazing. Can you give some of our listeners two or three resources that you've used to gain this knowledge, this wisdom, you know, to advance yourself in real estate? So one, I would say 100% bigger pockets. I had a cousin of mine when I told her that I wanted to invest in real estate. She mentioned bigger pockets to me. I'd never heard of it. And then once I heard of it, I was on the website. I started listening to the podcast that they have. And so I learned a lot through that. The other resource was Audible. So I have a ton of books through Audible. I okay. started researching different books, making sure that I was downloading them. And I listened to books on the way to work. And so I now live in Dallas, Texas. And so my commute to work is always 40 minutes there and back. So it gives me plenty of time to listen to books and making sure that I'm continuing to soak in that knowledge. But Books and researching online have been critical for me. And then I would say the last part of that is relationships. And so, you know, I do have a phenomenal mentor, but I also know about 20 to 30 other people that right now I can text or call and they'll pick it up and they'll answer any question that I have about real estate, not only because of the fact that they know that I'm serious about this, but also the fact that I have consistently followed up with them that if any time I knew about a property that I didn't want or didn't fit what I needed, I would send it to a buddy of mine and say, hey, man, you might want to take a look at this or just being there to answer questions or help them out with different situations that may arise. And so I've built great relationships with people that are mutual beneficially for both of us. And um, those are the things that I think has helped me get to where I am now. It's like what goes around comes around. I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. you've seen that your mentor benefited from helping you and now you're just returning the favor to others. I think yeah. that's great. When Bigger Pockets started podcasting, no one thought we needed a store, but then books, so many books, best selling books, rookie books, partnership books. We needed the best real estate bookstore ever, so we chose Shopify. <coughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch stage to the first order stage to the, did we just sell out the whole store stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling real estate books or retro clothing, Shopify's platform helps you sell everywhere, online or in person. Now, speaking of online, did you know Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better than other leading commerce platforms? And no matter how big you grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control of your business. And that's why we chose Shopify for the bigger pocket bookstore. So sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash BP rookie, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash BP rookie now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash BP rookie. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with a message for everyone paying big wireless way too much. Please, for the love of everything good in this world, stop. 
With Mint, you can get premium wireless for just $15 a month. Of course, if you enjoy overpaying, no judgments, but that's weird. Okay, one judgment. Anyway, give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 for three months required. New subscribers only. Renew for 12 months to lock in savings. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See mintmobile.com. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. So let's move on to uh, one of my favorite segments. It is going to be, I want to hear who is someone that has made a, a huge impact in your real estate life and has really helped you grow your business. I think I already know the answer, but <laughs> we call yes. this segment the... Okay, dude, Famous. you got to do it with me. The MVP. <laughs> MVP. 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 Hey, let's go. <laughs> Derek, who's your MVP, man? <laughs> so um, obviously, as I've talked about my mentor throughout this segment, I got to give all love and respect to Dexter Craig. I met him about five years ago. And since day one, I think he has always kind of looked after me, kind of made sure that I understood kind of the ropes of the military as a young military officer. And so our relationship has completely changed now into um, it is one where, you know, he references me as his richest son and I call him my rich dad. and all of our conversations are are about, you know, what are we doing to be better as men and how are we going to continue to grow our business? And so um, he's been a phenomenal person in my life because he is not only the person that has turned me um, onto real estate and really taught me a lot, but also challenging me in the aspect of growing as a man and as a person and individual. And I'll never forget one of the first things he ever told me before we started this serious relationship of us just kind of him mentoring me was the information I'm going to give you isn't shared a lot. And if I'm going to give you this information, you got to turn around and give it to two and three people. Um, and so you can't keep this for yourself. You have to share it. You have to share this knowledge and help someone else become a millionaire because that's what I'm going to make sure you become. And so I think those type of words, that type of instruction and leadership from someone when you're open and available and willing to learn from them, whether that's good criticism at times, sometimes it's bad criticism, sometimes it's just you need to hear these words, right? But, um, you know, I think he's just been a great resource for me, ultimately. And at this point, you know, kind of like a father figure, honestly. Man, that's a great answer. I feel the same way about my mentor. And I'm going to ask you two questions, Derek, that I know that our listeners are going to want to know. At first, how do you manage, how do you communicate with your mentor? I'm sure you're not down his throat texting him every five minutes about everything that you can. For me, I have to go out and try to find the answer first and, and show my mentor that, look, I've Googled, I've searched, I can't find it. Like, can you help me with this part? I've done the work. I can't figure it out. So that's one question, dude. How do you like communicate with your mentor? And then do you pay him? No, we've never, I've never had to pay him for anything. And our communication is we text, we call, 
But ultimately, when it comes down to it, whenever I have a big decision to make or we have a decision to make that involves money, I always fly out to D.C. and I visit him. And so I stay at his house. We, we get on the whiteboard. He has a huge whiteboard in his house. We get on the whiteboard and we start putting down numbers and we talk it out. We talk through our difference of opinions. I show him my research. He showed me his research. And we just go about it that way. And so, so let me let me butt in right there because that's a very crucial point. And I want everyone to listen to that. You fly out to your mentor's house and and ask him and you stay with him and you work this out, right? You're not like, hey, can we talk at 3 p.m. because I need to talk to you about this? Or, you know, it's not like you don't put any, it sounds like you put in a whole lot of effort to have this communication with this mentor because you value him that much that you're willing to fly out to him to get a question answered. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think and I think that's been the critical piece of that. You know, as if you're somebody that that has the experience, you have the funds and you're looking to invest into the next generation and help somebody else get to where you are, when you see that energy and that absolute consistent determination to be there and they put forth effort, I think that right there convinces you that this is a person that you want to be partnered with. And I think that's been a critical part of my success so far, and I think that's been a critical component of our actual like relationship now. I think this is great advice for anyone who is looking for their own mentor or even to mentor someone. So thank Mm -hmm. you for sharing uh, everything with us today. So that is today's MVP. And we'll put some more information. um, We'll kind of highlight how you recommend finding a mentor. And we'll put that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com forward slash rookie 17. So let's move on to the rookie request line. And you guys, we need uh, some more voicemails. We've used them all. So please call in. You can reach us at one 5 rookie and just leave us a voicemail about any question you have for real estate. And we will pin it on the guest to answer and we'll put them right on the spot. So today's voicemail. Hi, my name is uh, Jesus Flores and... I am as rookie as rookie can get. So, you know, what direction, what should I be looking at? What should I be thinking where I'm from? But I'm I'm in California, so, you know, it's very expensive, really easy to make a a dumb mistake, (laughs) an expensive mistake, I should say. So we'll take it from there. All right. Thank you, guys. So I would say, one, find another market that you can invest in that decreases your risk. So when I first bought my property in Martinsville, I lived in Stanton at that time, which the market was more expensive. Now that I'm in Dallas, Texas, the market is more expensive and there's a lot more competitors as well. Um, The competition is very hot here. I found that out as soon as I came out here to buy a property. So I invest in a market that it is cheaper. I'm able to buy a duplex for $30,000 and make over $1,000 in monthly income from it. I'm able to buy a house for $50,000 and make $900 a month off of it. So I would definitely say find another market that will minus your your risk. I think that's a critical piece of it. Make sure you understand the market well, build a team there, get connections, leverage relationships, and, and then go for it. If you need to, fly out there, spend some time out there. That way you can actually get a real feel for it and, and start investing. That's That's really solid advice, Derek. You know, one of the things that I would tell them as well is Bigger Pockets has some great references, you know, how to look at what markets and, and there's mm-hmm. great data on there that's all free that you can look at your certain market and see what the rents are, you know, see what the average job is paying and things like that, as well as the Bigger Pockets magazine actually has a ton of great knowledge and wisdom. If you subscribe, that's magazine is fantastic. 
But, yeah. you know, aside from just the reading and listening, Derek, what are some actionable steps that Jesus can take when starting out in real estate? What would you say are like, you know, the first one or two steps that you would say, Jesus, do this just to get started? I would say understand the language of real estate. And so let's go start researching real estate terms. So that way you understand the language of real estate. I think that is such a critical piece to being able to do deals, to being able to, one, have conversations with people that are experienced. I think the first thing that could kind of have you dismiss when you're amongst like experienced investors is not knowing what you're talking about because you don't understand the definition of simple terms. So I think understand the basics of real estate in terms of what does certain words mean when I'm looking at NOI, what does that mean? RI, what does that mean? Those basic things. I would say the second step is learn how to evaluate properties, which is a key component of it because if the numbers don't make sense, then it's the property is a no-go. At the end of the day, we're investing to create cash flow to then be able to create more wealth for ourselves. So I think those are the two things I would start with, understanding the basics of real estate and the definitions and terms, and then actually understanding how do I effectively evaluate properties. And so both of those things come from research and studying and then evaluating the properties. The critical part of that is just practice. I would legit get on Zillow, look at every property that I've seen and run the numbers. And I would make mistakes and then I would go back and make sure I fix my mistakes. And so continuing to do that has helped me get to a point where now I feel confident that if I start to put numbers on the board and it doesn't make sense within the first like couples, 30 seconds, 40 seconds of me actually writing down the numbers, I know the deal doesn't make sense. So I say those are kind of the two top things that I would focus on. That's really great advice. uh, The only thing I can think of to add to that is once you've analyzed a couple markets, Find realtors in those areas. They can send you the emails every single morning of what's been listed. But we had Elise on our show a couple episodes ago, and she found a property manager slash realtor in Tennessee that does everything for her and takes care of her. At least she lives in California too. She never even has to fly out there. And I think if you start looking for those people, those realtors, those property managers that will care for your properties like your own, that makes going out of state a lot easier, but you have to put in that work to try and find those people. So go to meetups, you know, go online with, there's tons of virtual meetups online now. And then even on Instagram, connect with people and see where other people are investing and, you know, ask for a recommendation for a realtor and just use that as a a starting point too. Yeah. So we're going to go on to some fun questions now. They really (laughs) don't have anything to do with real estate, (laughs) but we just like to know a little bit more about you. Uh, So the first one I have to ask, which I, I, sometimes I pick this one just because I already think these people have it, but do you have like a, a miracle morning? Do you have a morning routine that you do every day? I would say consistently my routine resolves around, I get up early. I Mm -hmm. I can't sleep. Um, I think I just got it from college, honestly. And so I've run off about four and a half, five hours of sleep and I'm perfectly fine. Anything more than that, it kind of makes me lazy. So um, I normally get up earlier in the morning. And uh, first thing I do is I go work out. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's critical. It helps your body feel good mentally. It kind of refreshes you for the day. It keeps you kind of going, right? And so Um, After working out at that point, um, I'm always looking through emails and trying to see exactly what do I need to get done. I have two whiteboards in my office. And so I make sure that I write down critical things that I need to do, whether it's tasks, people that I need to reach out to, those type of things. And then from there, it's figuring out what part of my day am I going to get that done in. And so because I do have a job where I work four days a week, the critical part for me is how do I make sure that the things that are top priorities get done the soonest? 
and the things that I can put off, I either put it off or I wait and get it done after I've done other things. And so that's kind of how I prioritize everything for myself. Uh, my weekends, if I have a lot of things to do, I'm not doing anything else. And so I prioritize my business. I prioritize my self-development over fun and going out and things like that as well. Do you think having a morning routine and kind of having that discipline is something that a lot of successful people have? And do you think that's what's helped with your success? Absolutely. So discipline helps with everything, right? Um, Money management, it helps with you getting in shape if you want to get in shape. If you want to be a great investor, having discipline and, and looking at your markets and researching homes and actually running the numbers, those are the things that are going to help you be successful. And so um, when you look at your Bill Gates of the world and your Elon Musk, like all of them have a certain amount of discipline that they have toward their craft, right? Bill Gates did computer software development for years consistently. That was his addiction. And now he's one of the richest men in the world, right? (laughs) And so discipline and consistency has been proven to show us that you're going to build good habits and out of those habits become muscle memory. And once something becomes muscle memory, I mean, your potential at that point is pretty much limitless as much as you continue to do it. So... I saw a quote today on Instagram. It was something like, there's not always going to be motivation and that's why you need to have discipline, which I thought that, that was critical. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a really good one too. I'm yeah, going to have to share yeah. that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Derek, I was wondering, and because I was raised by a single mother as well, what does your family and more specific your mom now think of what you're doing, what you're doing with real estate and the potential growth that you have? I would say they 100% support me. Uh, My mom and I have a very, very close relationship. We talk consistently. She's my world. If she needs anything, she gets it. It's just how it is when it comes to my mom. But she has been very, very supportive in everything that I've done. And I think, you know, part of her thing has been too, uh, as she's been growing in her own personal career and kind of doing her own thing, is her watching me grow. And I think eventually she wants to get into it too. She's talked about it a little bit here and there and mentioned it as well, of helping me like manage my properties and things like that. And so I think it's also kind of that curious that she has about, okay, he's very passionate about this. I'm seeing the changes that's happening. I'm seeing how it's changing his life and how he's been able to help others with it. What does that look like later on for him? And how can I be a part of that? And so um, that love and that support has been huge for me. Um, It helps continue to push that drive. Um, and just change the narrative for my family financially, for sure. That's that's awesome. And I'm so glad that you're doing that because the future generations of of your family are going to, you know, look back and, and, and thank for what you're doing, man. I mean, mm-hmm. you're building an empire for your name and that's that's crucial. And your mom is going to be very, very proud of you. I love your answer. Same here, man. I, I Anything for my mom doesn't matter. I mean, it, it is what it is. No questions asked. Yeah, they deserve to be spoiled. Let's go. <laughs> Okay, so the thing I want to know is what is something you know that is true, but a lot of people disagree with you on? Ooh, that a house is a liability. <laughs> a lot of people feel that houses are assets <laughs> because people tell them that, uh, whether it's other investors, the bank, whatever. And I think one of the things that Do it Do you mean takes, you're a personal resident or are you speaking of investment? I would say personal residences. Okay. Um, okay. And the reason why I say that is because I know a lot of people that, you know, they have a house that they bought, they've been living in, and they feel like that's like the greatest asset in the world. And houses are great assets, but you have to be making money off of it. And so if you're not making money off of it and it's taking money out of your pocket, it's a liability at that point. And uh, one of the greatest examples that I've been giving people, especially as of recently, is tax liens is the perfect 
scenario as to why a house is a liability. Even if your house is paid off and you don't pay your taxes, somebody else has the ability to take your house from you just based off of them having the ability to pay your taxes off. Like those are the things where um, people don't understand that because our culture and society has taught us that houses are the greatest assets. If you're investing in real estate, it is one of the greatest assets you could ever have because you're getting money from it. It's actually putting money into your pocket. But whenever you have something that is taking money out of your pocket, it is, it is an expense. It's a liability at that point. And so it's hard convincing people of that because they don't see it that way. But I think the numbers, when you start really having people write down, okay, what are your assets? What are your liabilities? And then start making them write down their expenses and what's bringing income in. A lot of times you can kind of get them to start thinking of it a little differently. I've seen a lot of people like on the Bigger Pockets forums, Instagram, Facebook post, like they run the numbers of owning a house for 10 years and they put in, you know, what the expected maintenance is, the taxes, the insurance, and and then what your rent would be. And, you know, th- people come up with different answers, but I have mm-hmm. seen the examples where you don't win owning your primary house. So, yeah, I do love watching the debates about it. I mean, it is when there is something that needs to be done at my house, I have a lot harder time giving out the money to pay for that because that is money out of my pocket where for my rental properties, the tenants are paying for that repair. Mm -hmm. I'm not paying for it. So I do see uh, where you're coming from with that. Yeah, it's a big difference when it's just hitting your pockets and you're the one that's got to pay for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Felipe, do you want to take the last question? Yeah. You know, and I'll add a little bit to that. I try to make yeah. my personal resident as much as an asset as I can. I have a home office. I have, you know, everything. My Wi Fi is based off my, I mean, everything out of my home, aside from the three bedrooms, is, you know, being used for something. If I can write off my toilet, I'll figure that out later as well. But just take a couple right. calls from your toilet, man. You'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> Lord, look there. Don't try me, son. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I might do that. <laughs> I'm going to take my next call from my yeah, toilet. And I'm going to just write it off. I will no longer answer probably, any of your phone calls. <laughs> that's probably the funniest thing I've in the ever back. heard. You'll be good to go. <laughs> do the background thing on Zoom. You know how you can do exactly. like the background? Yo, you know what's that's really hilarious. funny about that is when I went to Nashville to visit Felipe, we had to record an intro or something, I think. And he was in his podcast room there. And I was actually, his bathroom is outside of that door. And I sat in his tub and did it from there <laughs> because if we were in the same room we would have got like bad audio so i just did it right outside See, and you the, i sat on the tub of the shower That's hilarious yeah. Derek coming in with the wisdom nuggets i love that all right man last question for me and then we're going to get on to some rookie hazing what is the number one best habit you have formed oh i would say that's a tough one right there i would say the number one best habit that I have formed so far would be my ability to leverage relationships. Let's go. A hundred percent. And I say that because through leveraging relationships, if I even take real estate out of it, by being able to leverage relationships, it has created so many additional opportunities for me. I'm outside of real estate, outside of my W-2. Being able to leverage relationships has made things easier for me when I am looking for information or trying to get things accomplished. And so... I think that has been a critical thing there. And another piece of that too, is when you're leveraging relationships, that goes both ways. And so me being able to pour knowledge into someone who is looking to do the same thing that I'm doing, someone who looks up to me because they know my environment, where I came from and where I am today, that's critical. And so passing that knowledge along and investing into the next uh, generation is 100% what this whole thing is about, right? 
I don't know who the top real estate investors are in the world right now, but all I got to say is watch out. You got somebody coming at you full steam. I would hate to be in front of you, you know, if I would. That's all I got to say to that one. I was going to look up some names and the Robert Kiyosaki's or the, or the I don't know, other Grant big Cardone. wigs in real estate. Yeah. Grant Cardone. I was about to say, watch out, man. You got someone coming for you. All right, Ashley, take us to the hazing. Okay, so for our rookie hazing, I want to know what is your favorite guilty pleasure song? And Ooh. can you sing a little bit of it for us? Yes. So here's the, my, okay, so I'll give you the background as to why this is my favorite song. So, okay. so you have to give us an excuse as to why this is, <laughs> look, you it's look like you song. work out. If you're not watching this on YouTube, <laughs> I have the, I have the song right here in front of me. You look like you work out. You're a big dude. You went to the military. Go ahead. So I, here's the thing though, I'm going to, the song is going to be changed a little bit because I have fell in love with the song again recently after watching the movie again. Oh God. So one of my favorite movies growing up was Remember the Titans. And this scene when the entire team was singing used to be my favorite part. And I fell in love with singing. Even the woman's part of this song is just amazing when they're singing back and forth. And so Ain't No Mountain High is one of my favorite songs that I can sing anywhere, anytime. Don't care who's around. Like I'm going to sing the song. Let's go. If it comes on. You got to sing it. That was from the movie on Stepmom too. <laughs> Step, yes. Yeah, yeah. It's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of my favorite songs of all time. And it's one of those things where I just watched a movie recently. And so when I watched it like instantly, it was just like in my head the whole day. I've been listening to it here and there. And it's just one of those songs that every time I'm going to sing it. So one, I sound horrible. So I'm going to preface it with that. I'm not a singer. <laughs> Anybody that knows me will tell you that. But I'll definitely be able to give you guys a line or two. All right. Okay. Go for it. So, I'm nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ain't no mountain high. Ain't no valley low. low. Ain't no Ain't river, river wide, wide enough, baby. baby. <laughs> when you need me, call me. No matter where you are. No matter how far. Don't worry, baby. So that's <laughs> Woo, watch out, American job. Idol. Watch out. Like, Let's go. Like sing the longest out a of anyone. A man of had. many talents. A man of many talents. I'll Real estate. The first not a... round. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody, Simon will say something like, stick to real estate, son. Yeah. It's like, uh, this is not your profession, guy. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, Derek, that's awesome, can you um, tell us uh, where people can find out more about you? So I am on Instagram. Um, Empirical Zig is my name on Instagram. And then on Facebook, uh, Derek Ziegler Jr. Um, so you're more than welcome to reach out to me on those two avenues. I'm actually getting ready to start up a Twitter. I'm like behind. I guess I'm like an old. Soul. I don't have a Twitter either. Well, I think I have <laughs> okay, one from a long time ago, but I don't use it. At all. <laughs> so like everybody talks about that. They're like, you don't have a Twitter, so I don't. But um, I'm about to get started there just because I got a couple of things going on that I really want to create a little bit more of a social media presence. But Empirical Zig on Instagram and Derek Ziegler Jr. on Facebook. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We had a lot of thank fun. You. Yeah, I enjoyed this. You guys are awesome. Yeah, thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. I'm Ashley at Wealthform Rentals. He's Felipe at Felipe Mejia, R-E-I. And don't forget to join our Facebook group. Derek, are you a member of our Facebook group? I am. Okay, so anyone has questions <laughs> about this show, uh, leave a message on there for Derek and he will respond uh, with an answer for you. So we will see you guys uh, next Wednesday.
Braving the real estate journey on your own can be daunting. Doubts tend to creep up and stifle your ambition. Is this actually a good deal? Did you run the numbers correctly? What if you can't find a tenant? Can you even afford this place? What if I lose my job? Whatever you're going through, we've all been there. And guess what? The best way to overcome your doubts and hesitations is with a healthy dose of knowledge, networking, and accountability. That's just what you'll find in our newly released 2024 Summer Boot Camps. After these eight action-packed weeks of step-by-step -step guidance from expert investors, weekly video modules, live Q&As, interactive assignments, and new friends to keep you accountable, you'll be ready to tackle your first or next deal with full confidence and expertise. Choose from small multifamily, short-term rental, or rookie boot camps and register by April 12th for the lowest prices. Head over to biggerpockets.com slash enrollme today. That's biggerpockets.com slash enrollme. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.